there is one thing we know. Our mind may not be able to comprehend what our heart knows. And you will offend our mind to reach our heart if you have to. There's one thing we know. There's one thing we know. And that we have a good, good father. Yes, Lord. And when he enters the room, everything changes. And you are in the room. And so whatever we are facing, whatever challenge is before us, it is changing and lining up with your word. So, Father, we thank you now for these next moments as we work the word. We know that it will accomplish everything you've sent it for to do, and it will not return void. Bless as you have been blessing, O oh God, and continue to bless us as we acknowledge you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We appreciate that. Thank you so much for the testimony. Let's put our hands together for our praise and worship team. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. He's a good, good father. You may be seated. Praise God. Thank you. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yes, he is. Climate change. Mm-hmm. Not political, it's prophetic. <laughs> My God, he is so good to us. Amen. Amen. Not political, it is prophetic. God is so good. Where do you want us to start? According to my iPad, the time is 11.05 a.m. And um, we, uh, Megan and I are thrilled, and we love Pastor Eli and Pastor Lisa with all of our hearts. A dynamic couple that God has his hand upon, and we believe that they are encountering God daily as you, the gathering place, and friends who have come to support this great work. We thank you for your support on behalf of the gathering place and the leadership. Um, I want to thank you for your support. Um, thank you for continuing to pray for this ministry because God has planted this ministry here for a purpose in this wonderful city of Marion uh, where God has called you to. And I just want to briefly, I didn't have an opportunity last um, Sunday. For those who are here, didn't the Holy Spirit do his thing? My goodness. Amen. I believe people were healed. It was just waiting for your manifestation. I believe you were healed, sir. Amen. We're just waiting for the manifestation. You know, doctors are slow. You know what I mean? They can't. Those, doc, those, those reports can't keep up to what the Holy Spirit is doing. So, you know, we won't be impatient. We'll just trust God. He didn't say pray for healing. He said declare healing. So we just declare it. You're healed in Jesus' name. But one of the things that I want you to, to know is that uh, from the time you walk into this place, please understand the church is you. It's not a building. It's you. But we do gather at a location uh, because the word tells us throughout the scripture that uh, 
we should fellowship together because we love each other, not because we like each other on Facebook, but because actually like each, you actually love each other, and uh, we're supposed to get together. And so one of the things that, that I want to share with you briefly is, is, is just how we flow for the next two months, how the Holy Spirit's told me that we need to flow. And so the first thing he said is that we're always going to be a place of prayer. So if you ever get tired of praying, this may not be the place for you to come then because we understand that without prayer, nothing will ever happen anyways, right? Amen? So we welcome with prayer, and that's what we started with. We welcome with prayer, and Teresa opened us up in a word of prayer. The next thing we do is it's called we enter into worship. We don't start worship. We enter into something that's been going on from all eternity. Please understand that God was already being worshipped before he even created us. That we're not doing God a favor by showing up and lifting up our hands like, like God needs that. Oh, I need some more esteem today, so let's get together and worship. He is God all by himself. Oh, my God. I mean, all by himself. He don't need anybody. I mean, when he creates something, it's just reflect back his glory. Think about that. So it is a privilege to enter into something that's been going on from all eternity. So we enter into worship. We don't start worship. We enter into worship because your emotions and, and, and the gas price and the struggle and all your things will prevent you from entering in because those things seem more real than God's presence. So we enter into something that's already happening. For the scripture tells that the angels bow and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Revelation tells that they're worshiping 24-7. So we enter into something that the angels in heaven look and says, wow, we, we can't even experience what humanity is experiencing because only we have ever been redeemed. And we have a redemptive relationship back with God. So we enter into worship. And after we've entered into worship, we do what we call open hearts. And that's our time of giving. It's an open heart. We understand that there's not a financial problem in the body of Christ. I mean, heaven has gold. for peace. You know what I mean? God is not lacking any financial resource. He's not moved by the economy. He's not, oops, how are we going to afford that? I mean, does that make sense? I mean, he has all the wealth in the world. He owns everything. So it's not a given problem. So it's not, it's not a money problem in the church. It's, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. So we call open hearts. And so the gathering place, our, our, our hearts are open. And as we open our hearts, then we open our wallet. It just makes sense. It's just logical. We don't ask you to open your wallet unless we think we want your money. We said open your heart, and God will do the rest. I mean, if his presence is here, he's going to tell you what to do and what to give. There's no law of saying you've got to do this and some legalistic thing that we're doing. There's freedom. You left the world because it was all bondage. You don't want to step into bondage again. It doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Just change location, but bring the same miserable thing that you had in that location, you bring it to this location. You see what I'm saying? And people look at the church and say, like, why would I want to come into a place that's miserable? I'll just stay and drink my bottle and, you know, do whatever I got to do and, and, you know, just live life. So it's an open heart. And then finally what we do is we work the word. You're not just sitting there. We work the word. The word of God is being taught and you work it. You got to work this word till you understand it, right? Because there's certain things that are going to come to in your spirit and you have to know, how do I work this thing so I can get from knowledge to understand. Does that make sense? From knowledge to understanding. Okay? And so that's what we do. And so we always are subject to change because when he enters a room, everything changes. So God may say, no, work the word now and then enter into worship later on. And so we are just, because we're people who are free, we're just, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. 
Now, a lot of churches don't do that because it won't increase the crowd. You see what I'm saying? It, it, won't, it won't cause you to fill the building because you're not, we're not predictable. And so what happens is because we like to predict things, we like to be in control, that when God steps in, everything gets out of control. And when things get out of control, we become fearful now because we have no idea where we're going, which is simply revealing the fact that we don't really trust God anyways. I mean, really, that's what it's doing. So we know he's omnipresent, but we really don't want his manifested presence. You see what I'm saying? Right, right? Because, see, they knew God was omnipresent in the garden. They knew he was there. But when the Bible said he was walking in the cool of the breeze, then they said, oh, my goodness, he's manifested. And then they said we hid ourselves because we were naked. We were afraid. While his omnipresence was there, they were cool. But the moment his presence manifested, because guess what? God is always going to come to you. I don't care where you are. God is not lost. He knows exactly where he is, and he knows exactly where you are. And he's always going to show up because he's a good, good father. And so the reason for this disconnect of a relationship is not because of God's actions. That was Adam and Eve's action. But because of his ways, he showed up. And as a result of that, he came with blessings and he came with provision. And yes, he did. He clothed them and he, and, and he loved on them. And he says, through you, there's going to be a prophetic promise that's going to come because when I declare something, it has to come to pass. So I say all that to get to my message, climate change. It's not political. It is prophetic. And when you teach prophetically sometimes, you have to embrace the move of the Holy Spirit. Because it is impossible. I don't care. You can get T.D. Jakes up here, who's a phenomenal communicator. And you can get Clefro Dollar in this place. You can get any one of those big-name preachers that God is definitely blessing and bringing an increase to. But I promise that not one of them can speak to every single issue that every one of you are facing. It is the Holy Spirit that knows exactly where everybody is. Only the Holy Spirit knows that. I was at the VITM years ago, and, and we brought Jesse DePlanis to come, and he was to speak. And the pastor, I want you to go out, and I want you to greet everybody and, uh, before Jesse DePlanis comes out. And I walked out on the stage, and I said, how many here are just excited about the things of God? Just, just shout out amen, and the, the place was packed, and everyone said, yes. And I literally, my brothers and sisters, felt this force that pushed me back like this. I was like, woof. And God said this to me. Rowan, don't you ever think it's because of them why I move. I can bring a baby up in here. If the people are hungry for my presence, I will always move. And what gathered was a group of people that though they knew who Jesse the Planus was, God said, if you want to know who I am, I will do greater works than any preacher can do. So I submit to you this morning, it is not because of Rowan and Magon. We hide behind the cross, and the presence of God doesn't show up. All this was was a YMCA gathering. 
All we did was occupy a building for 120 minutes. And it was a waste of your time. And you will never get that time back. So I don't want to waste your time. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to waste your time. So let's just make that decision right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Because you know exactly where I am. Because when he walks into the room, everything changes. Everything changes. Our text for today, Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 22. Luke 4, 16 to 22. I just, I just sense the Holy Spirit is here. Amen. Father, I thank you for healing in the name of Jesus. If there is any emotional uh, thing, Father, thank you for that healing right now. Uh, just the testimony of Nadine and Ron alone has already ushered in such great healing and, and, and manifestation of your, of your goodness, God. Luke 4, 16, uh, Luke 4, 16 to 22. Climate change, when he walks to the room, everything changes. Now, uh, climate change is a real issue in America and in the world. Uh, so how do we address this issue of climate change? Because... The climate, the elements, the earth is connected to us. And the reason for that is because we were created from the earth. So as a result of the earth and the curse that came upon it because of Adam, not because of God. He says, curse is the ground because of you. Not because of God, but because of Adam. So we are connected to the earth. So as a result of that, there are three different entities, three different institutions that are trying to bring restoration. I want you to write that down. There are three entities trying to bring restoration to the earth. Um, yeah, the three entities trying to bring restoration to the earth. The first one is the president of the United States of America. And based on science, his advisors are telling him, here is how you can restore the earth to a livable place again. Watch us now for future generation. So, Kelly, it is, it is you and, and Richie coming together and hearing science now. And based on science, how are you going to preserve the earth for McKenna and for your sons? So everyone's awakened to this because it's a generation issue. It's been stated at the State of the Union address that the, the greatest threat to America is climate change. That's what our elected official... The highest office in America has declared that not ISIS, but climate change is the greatest threat. How we treat the earth and how we uh, uh, function in the earth is the greatest threat to you and I and to our generation. And so based on science then, how it's manifested and how we work it out is through regulations. Well, let's regulate energy. Let's Let's, let's measure in the atmosphere um, the, the different things that are going up into the atmosphere. Let's see if we can regulate businesses and individuals to change their habit, change their behavior so that they can preserve and they can protect the environment. Does that make sense? So the answer for the president is based on science. He gives regulations. Not laws, but regulations. So a law is something that's established, but the regulation is how you bring that law out. Okay? So if you change the law, you got to change the regulation. So, so there are laws. Watch this now. So there are laws. So science recognizes laws. 
gravity. An aircraft can only fly, not because gravity no longer exists. How come an airplane can fly? Well, there's another law that supersedes the law of gravity. Aerodynamics, right? And so someone's able to figure that out. And so gravity still exists, but there's another law that supersedes the law of gravity. But because gravity still exists, that's why sometimes, unfortunately, there are fatal crashes. Because it's man's design. Oh, gosh. So science, then, is limited to a greater law. And as much as science can bring facts, it doesn't speak truth. So we're limited, then, in how to restore the earth back to what God had for us to do. So the government says, well, okay, it's science and there's regulations. Okay. Then we had a visit from the Pope. So we have the president, now we have the Pope. Pope Francis, first time in America. Pope Francis come and he flies and coming from Cuba and he comes in and, and he's met at the airport and, and he comes down and he's now before Congress. The, the Pope is addressing Congress and in his address he speaks again, climate change. So we go from the president and now we go to the Pope and he's speaking on behalf of the religious community now. He says, what we have to do is not necessarily the science. Yes, the science is there. But what we have to do is we have to become, watch this now, good stewards of the resources of the earth. So he moves it from just science now. And he moves it from just the hand that writes regulation now. And now he moves it over to the heart or to the moral aspect of things. He says, now we've got to understand. I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me. Right? Now, now watch that. We've got to move it from just the science. We've got to now move it to a stewardship issue. And so therefore, we've got to get all the wealth of the world, and we've got to distribute it now to every nation so that every individual, rich, poor, whatever, can enjoy the earth because we have to be good stewards of this. So religion only goes so far. At least religion is not based just totally on science. Religion now moves into a place of a heart. It moves to a place now of, of, of what I call stewardship. It, it moves to a place of, of, of regulations, yes, but, but, but rules. And, and, and so we have to do And if we have to mandate it, we will. That's that's what religion does. It doesn't really give you freedom. It, it, it doesn't really give you freedom, but at the same time, it gives you a sense of obligation. Does that make sense? So, so I can come every Sunday after Sunday because my heart's telling me to do that, but, but not necessarily that I'm really buying into what's going on. And so the Pope comes down and he's talking, we, gotta, we have to be good stewards of the resources that we have, Right? And that moves on people's emotion, doesn't it? We have to be good stewards of the resources. Of course, we've got to help the poor. Of course, we've got to make sure that the things that we're doing and everyone in the world is equal. we just got to love everybody. But how many know that the presidents, as the president and former presidents, hasn't really changed where we are, has it? And how many know as much as the Pope has come and he's a great millions of people came to see him and it was a wonderful thing and, and how many know that hasn't really changed where we are? So how about we try the third option? Hmm? Let's look at what God says now about it. God said this issue is spiritual. It's not a lack of stewardship and it's not something to deal with the science. This now is spiritual and what we have to do is we have to redeem man back to the original design. 
Because when I declare a thing, it has to happen. I cannot speak with my mouth and it not come to pass. So the voice of God is absolutely critical in the life of a believer. So therefore, we have to live prophetically then and have our ear inclined to the voice of God. So it is about our posture then of being a redeemed people that we now say it is the scriptures that restores us back to what we're supposed to be. So my brothers and sisters, God's plan for your life. If somebody says, I don't know God's will for your life. I'm going to tell you right now what God's will is for your life. God's will for your life is to be restored back to the glory that he originally declared over your life from the beginning. It says, let us make man in our likeness and in our image. That is God's design, God's plan, God's agenda, God's strategy. He hasn't changed in over 2,000 years. He hasn't changed the moment he said that. That's what God wants. So the will of God is for you to be restored back to that original place where you brought him glory, honor, and praise. Ah. He's a good, good father. And he will stop at nothing to accomplish his will because his word said it. So he begins, help me Holy Spirit, he begins and he sees the wickedness of humanity and how far they're away and how destructive they're becoming. And he sees that their heart is just wicked. And he sees that in Genesis chapter 6, the enemy is trying to corrupt the bloodline. Because see, through the blood, oh, it's because of the blood, it's because of the blood, the blood that was shed. And he tries to corrupt the bloodline. But God then looks and says, I found faith, I found grace in, in, in who? In Noah. God puts his grace in Noah so he can see it. <laughs> God. It says there's no good in you except what God has put in you. And he says he found grace or favor in Noah. And the Bible says he walks with Noah. I mean, come here, babe. I mean, check this out. God sees Noah from a distance. Stay there, babe. He sees all the pollution, climate change. He sees all the pollution, and he steps in the midst of all that pollution because of what his word said back here. Oh, my goodness. He said a word back in eternity, and then he steps into reality and says, I, I, I see wickedness, but I'm seeing grace. I'm seeing myself. And he goes, and then he finally gets to the place, and he says, now God walks with Noah. No blood has been shed yet. No crosses. But God now is saying, I'm walking with Noah because in Noah is all everybody. Come on. And he walks with Noah. Thank you. In a relationship. And God is walking with you and I to his prescribed destination. And he's walking with us. And every time we stop, and God's like, what's going on? Why you stop walking? So today, what I'm going to encourage you on is that when he walks into the room, everything changes. Because the reason why, thank you, Holy Ghost, we stop is because we enter a room we didn't think God knew about. We can't go in that room because that's where the abuse happened. We can't go in that room because that's where the rejection happened. We can't go in that room because I didn't think you were there. We can't go into this room and that's where depression is. We can't go into that room because that's where disease is. We can't go into that room. 
God says, when I walk into the room, everything changes. It's climate change. Climate change. You are not supposed to breathe in toxicity. You are not supposed to be inhaling things that are cause you to be poisoned. That's not God's design. You're supposed to be inhaling him and exhaling glory. You're supposed to be inhaling, ooh, the goodness of God. Woof. You breathe out glory and you inhale the goodness of God. Come on, try it. Just inhale the goodness of God. He's a good, good father. And then breathe out glory. And people say, whoa, what was that? It's just the glory of God. And then they will see the glory and say, wow, I want that. And we can say, now, it's not political. It's prophetic. Come unto me, all he that labor in heaven labor, and I will give you rest. And God, God does that. He does that. And to think that was enough, that God himself walked to the garden and came to Adam and Eve. He says, but that can't do it. Because man sinned, and so man has to pay the price for sin. And so the enemy says, God, what are you going to do now? How are you going to redeem mankind? I got you, God. What are you going to do? Because look, now they're in a state of total chaos and confusion. And God said, hmm. John chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> In the beginning, God. And the Word. Come on, you got to read that. And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. That word dwell in the Greek means tabernacled among us. So the tabernacle of Moses that was being built, even the ark that was being built, and he went into the ark, and he came into the tabernacle. And watch this now. Look at God. When it's finished, then God fills it. When it's finished, then God fills it. When it's finished, then God fills it. He says, Noah, build me an ark and make room. Do you know the first mega church was the ark? <laughs> huh? Just one family, and that was a mega church. Because God stepped into that love boat. That was a form of deliverance, the form of the rapture. The judgment came, the ark was elevated. And so God made provision when he brought judgment. So when you hear about the judgment of God, please understand, there are provision available to those who want to listen to it. And so they come out of the ark, and he builds the tabernacle or the tent first with Abraham, and he dwells in that. He goes, no, that, 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 that's not good enough. And then he builds it through Moses. And when Moses was finished, he said he came, and guess what? When Moses, when the prince of God came in the Shekinah glory, nobody could minister. They were like this. There was a climate change. See, see, when we can operate in flesh, that means God's presence is not there. But when his presence comes in, you just got to bow like this because you can't. You, when he comes in, you just got to bow down because the climate's changed. He's come in. And, and, to, and to think that was, was good enough where he tabernacled, he tabernacled. He says, no, those are foreshadows of what I really had. And he says in John chapter 1, the word became flesh and tabernacled with us. God made it personal now. He comes in and he sends Jesus. He sends Jesus. Jesus is the body of Christ. Christ is not his last name. Jesus is the body of Christ. So he sends his word and he said this. Nobody can dwell on earth without a body. So there's a law. No one can dwell on earth without a body. There's a law. So God then says, I can't break my own law. So what I will do then is I will find a virgin. 
whose blood is pure. Come on. And I can't have Joseph participate in intimacy because it will corrupt the bloodline. So God says now, no, this is personal. This now is going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Because I need a body for Christ to dwell in. Jesus Christ. And so now, the body of Christ is Jesus. The body of Christ is Jesus. Give him the name, give the body the name Jesus. And so when we look at that now, watch this now. So whenever you walk into a room, Everything changes because Christ in you, the hope of glory. And just like Jesus, the body of Christ, steps into a room, everything changes. You and I now, when we get this revelation, steps into a room and everything has to change. That's why God is saying, I've got to get my church back to a place where they're presence driven and not program driven. If you understood... If I understand the power that resides within us, my goodness, the things that we will see change in our lives will become so attractive to the world, not in a negative sense, but they'd be like, what kind of power is that? That's how Jesus operated. Now to my text. So he came to Nazareth. This is Jesus now. Where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah, verse 17, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Strategic design by God. And now he quotes Isaiah, the Old Testament. And they're all sitting there now, just like you and I. He comes in now, and he's been there before, but it wasn't the right time. He's been there before, it wasn't the right time. Now this time, he says, everything's going to change now. Look at God. Jesus was, it was his custom to go into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and they would read, and he would go. But this time now, this time, Karina, he steps in and says, now get Isaiah. Boom. The timing of God is impeccable when you understand the bigger picture of God. Outside of the big picture of God, you will make time, time will become your enemy. But when you see the bigness of God, time now becomes your friend because you realize now that what you are operating in is so supernatural that natural things can't keep up. So that's what says, just declare you're healed. Didn't say whether you feel like it. He says, you're healed. Boom, you're healed. But I'm waiting on time to catch up to manifest what's happened. So here is Jesus now, and he gets the scroll. He says, what? The Spirit, say with me, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Wow. Wow. Mother Sancho, the Spirit is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Oh, that gets the devil nervous when you believe that. Because he has anointed me. That word anoint means to submerge with oil. It's what the shepherd would do to the sheep. So the bugs, the, 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 the different elements that would bother them, they would take it and they would put it and just rub it into, into the sheep. And it also represents when David, they poured it over David, they poured it over Aaron, and it would just flow down. It was this anointing and it meant that you were set apart for God's use. It represented that you were now a thing of honor. 
So let's say now, right? right so let's say now I, I made two vessels. I made this vessel and this vessel. Two vessels made. This vessel now was chosen to be used by God. It had to be anointed. Two vessels, but one's anointed now for the master's use. Oh, God. And so God now has looked at you and he's anointed you for the master's use. Get excited. He has chosen you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what your struggles are. It doesn't, doesn't matter. He has chosen you. He chose you. He chose you. He says, I'm going to pour my anointing on you, and it's going to smirch all over you. So when people see you, it's like Moses when your face was shining with the glory of God. The best cosmetic. Come on, somebody, that you can ever have. It works on every skin type. The anointing of God knows no color. The anointing of God, come on, knows no color. The anointing of God, the spirit of the Lord God is upon the gathering place. Say that. The spirit of the Lord God is upon the gathering place. Oh, say that again. The spirit of the Lord God is upon the gathering place. I hope it's on the other churches. I don't know. But I know for sure that the Spirit of the Lord God is on the gathering place. To preach the good news to the poor. There's stewardship right there. He has sent me to announce the release, the pardon, the forgiveness to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the favor of God abounds greatly. Then he rolled up the scroll, having stopped in the middle of the verse, gave it back to the attendants and sat down to teach. And watch this now. And the eyes of those in the synagogue were fixed on him. They were like this. We have never heard anything like that before in our lives. And wherever he went, they were following him. What is he going to say next? What is he going to say next? Because we've been here from the time we were, we were chosen to be, to be priests, to be high priests, to work in the temple. But this, some, something's different about this guy. I've heard religious people come up and they've sat down and nothing has changed. I went home the same way I came. But when he just read that scripture, eyes are fixed on him. Eyes are fixed on him. It's like when Peter and John were walking, and the man was sitting there saying, hey, do you have any alms? Do you have any money to give me? And, and Peter says, silver and gold have I not. He says, you just don't want silver and gold because you'll stay in that same condition. It's about being restored to the original design again. He said this, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. What I have, I'm going to give to you. What I have, I'm going to give to you. What I have, I'm going to In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk and go back to your family now and be productive. Be fruitful and multiply. Go back to the original design of God again. That's God's plan for you. Right? And that's what their eyes were. But he says his eyes was fixed on Jesus. They were fixed on Peter and they were fixed. And wherever they went, they were looking at can you imagine having such an anointing on your life that wherever you go, people are like, hey, I'm following you, I'm following you. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ because he's the healer. He's the healer. He's the good, good father. That's what you want. And he sits there and he gives them, and watch this now. Watch this now. He says, today this scripture, someone say today. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and in your presence. 
And as he continued, and as he continued on, they were speaking well of him and were in awe and were wondering about the words of grace which were coming from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? Are people asking you, are, are you not the person that used to do this? Now the words you're speaking are with power and demonstration of the power of God. Who did you encounter? What happened to you? The question of identity is critical. And so gathering place or wherever you go and you congregate, if, if the identity is not revealed, you become whoever that individual wants you to be. You've got to know who you are. And here they were saying after they saw this, and they're like, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this the gathering place? That miracles are happening there? Like, what? When you encounter God, my goodness. Mm. When you encounter God, your identity will be so secure that you will never seek man's approval again for the rest of your life. So quickly, let me give you a couple of things then that's going to reveal to you when you come into the when you come to the room when he comes into the room the first thing you experience is freedom the next thing you experience when he come when he comes into the room is forgiveness when he comes into the room your faith will be built so how many want freedom how many know we need forgiveness how many know we need our faith to be built how many know we must be focused our finance and finally, the fragrance of God. I'm just going to get to the first two. I, I got to get you out of here. Watch this now. Freedom. Go to Luke 4, verse 38 and verse 41. As we looked at this chapter, let's look at what freedom looks like. Watch this now. Then Jesus got up, verse 38. Then Jesus got up and left the synagogue. So he left that house and he went to Simon Peter's house, one of his disciples. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. Look at that. They witnessed what happened in the church and says, we want to take that to our house. So when you leave here, you take what you encountered here, and you bring it to your house. You bring it to your workplace. You bring it to your community. He says, come and help us. And he says, okay, I'll come because I was invited. Look at Jesus. He said, if you invite me, I'll show up. And he goes there. And he now enters the house, because when he enters the, house, the room, everything changes. He's standing over. He rebukes the fever, and it left her. And immediately she got up and began serving them as his guests. Let me prophesy over you. Can I, I'm going to prophesy over you right now. Every one of you, you, every one of you, every one of you, you have a ministry gift. And there's some sickness that's holding you back from serving God in your capacity. But when you invite him into the room, everything changes. You have strength. I don't care whether you're 95 or whether you're 55 or whether you're 15 years old. When he enters the room and he rebukes everything off your life because you no longer curse because curse is everyone that hangs on the tree. And Christ died for us. He comes in now and he says, Kelly, now is the time. Get up and serve me. Because you're healed. He removes every excuse. That holds you back. Because you're a gift to somebody. You are a gift. Say, I'm a gift to somebody. 
right? I am a gift to somebody. And so when Jesus enters now, he stands over her. He rebukes the fever and left her. And she got up and then began to begin to serve. He's in the room. He, I got to serve. He's in the room. Let me serve him. Let me, let, let me serve him. Freedom. No longer bound to a bed. Freedom as she continues to serve. When the sun was getting, verse 40, when the sun was setting, the Sabbath day was over, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus and laying his hands on each of them, he was healing them, exhibiting his authority as Messiah. Demons also were coming out of many people, shouting, watch this, you are the son of God. So the people said, is this, this is Joseph's son. Demons said, this is the son of God. Don't ever let a demon acknowledge something that we're supposed to be acknowledging. Come on, somebody. Right? So he said, this is the son of God. He says, be quiet. Tell them to be quiet. What power and what authority? The demons were saying, this is the son of God. And you and I who've been redeemed, we're declaring, we know he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Go ahead and worship the Lord right now. Every infirmity I command it to go now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your freedom. We thank you for your freedom to do, to do ministry. We thank you for your freedom. That's what I'm sensing. We thank you for the freedom to do ministry. I will not be afraid of your presence because, Jesus, you invited me into a relationship with you. And I thank you now that sickness and disease and depression and demonic activities will no longer hinder me from accomplishing the assignment that you have for me in the name of Jesus. Because when you enter the room, everything changes. I am no longer afraid. I now welcome and I embrace your presence. Last one and we'll finish with this. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Let's deal with this issue of forgiveness wrap up. Someone say, I'm free. I'm free. My God. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I like the way that was said. Say it again. I am free. Ah, my body may be tired, but I am free. I am free. I'm just waiting the redemption of my body. Hallelujah. But I thank you, Jesus, that as I press into you, supernatural things can happen in my life and in my ministry, in my marriage, in my house. Hallelujah. I'm going to parent under the supernatural power of God. Hallelujah. You give me discernment, God, in the name of Jesus. Someone say, I'm free. Mm, not just delivered, but I'm free. Uh, There's a big difference between being delivered and being free, ladies and gentlemen. Uh huh, it's a big difference. Someone says it's a big difference. Yeah, the children of Israel, they were delivered from Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. <laughs> Forgiveness, Luke 7 36 to 50. Luke 7 36 to 50. And let's, let's, let's launch you out with this. I'm, I'm, your assignment this week is to tell everybody, tell everybody. That I'm free and forgiveness is available to you. Uh-huh. So the person who hurt you that you've been holding on to, you're free of that. You can write that letter, make that phone call, send that Facebook post. I don't care what you got to do to communicate it. But you, there is freedom in your life and you are now forgiven. Right? Now watch now. Luke, Luke 7, 36 to 50. We'll, we'll start with verse 43. So, so here is an assignment, a different assignment. A Pharisee invites Jesus into his house. 
Hey, come out to my house, Jesus. Jesus says, okay, I'll come into your house. He gets into the house, and Jesus is reclining, and everyone just sitting around. This woman, the Bible says, comes in, and she finds out he's in the, ho- he's in the room. He's in the house. Now, there is a university, and their slogan is this. Don't just be in the room. Own the room. I said, I like that. Don't just be the one in the room, but own the room. Well, Jesus was in the room, and Simon and his boys were in the room, but this woman says, I'm going to own the room. And she steps in and comes in now, and she gets before Jesus. And while nobody recognized, nobody acknowledges presence, she recognizes who he is. And she now starts to do something that just baffled their minds. She started to take perfume and pour it on his feet and the tears from her face weeping may endure for a night. And, and the tears that were falling on the feet of Jesus, she took her hair, which was her glory, and she starts to wipe his feet. And she now is worshiping the Savior of the world. She is acknowledging the Messiah. She is now pressing to the service. Nobody else is important to her at that moment but Jesus. Have you ever been to that place where, where you need him so desperately that everybody else was zoned out, but you were just focused on Jesus? That's what she was doing. She stepped into the room and she says, okay, he's in the room, and you're in the but I'm going to own the room. And she starts to worship, and she starts to minister unto him, and she starts to be at his feet. The rabbis represented when you laid at their feet, was you were waiting for instructions from God. God. She says, God, I've heard everybody tell me who I am, and it didn't work out, and my lifestyle was conditioned. My lifestyle was conducted based on what people said about me, and I got to get to your feet, and I've got to hear what you think about me. Hallelujah! Gathering place. Press into the room. Press into the room. It's just another song set. You may not know the lyrics. It may not be your genre. It may not even be your worship style. But press into the room and worship Jesus and get at his feet. Your husband's getting on your nerves. Get at his feet. Your wife is on your nerves. Get at his feet. Your children are acting crazy. Get at the feet. The dog won't bark. Get at the feet. The cat won't meow. Get at his feet. Oh, good God Almighty. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. It's about a posture. And she gets there. And Simon says, he says, if he was a prophet, oh God, if he really was the Son of God, he would know what this woman's lifestyle is that is laying at his feet. If, if he was truly a man who heard from God, he would know that this is a sinner acknowledging the curse again. Rehearsing the curse. He was a sinner. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't be a sinner saved by grace. You can't be two things. Either you're saved or you're not. Stop saying I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, you are a saint with the righteousness of God because what Jesus did. You're righteous because what Jesus did. And the more I get at his feet, the more my flesh dies. And so when you see my flesh operate, it's an indication. Tell me to get back at his feet. Don't call me a sinner. Tell me, get back at his feet. 
And I get to his feet, and what's just going on? He says, if, if she was a prophet, oh, God, i got to get you out of here. Now watch this now. He comes now, and Jesus says, Simon, can we have a conversation? Let's clear the air, because your thought is toxic in this environment. Oof. And he said within himself, it's not like he said it loud, he said it within himself. Jesus, I know your thoughts. Come on, somebody. I know your thoughts. He said, Simon, let me give you a story. These two individuals, one owed a million dollars and one owed $50. And the creditor says, okay, I'm going to forgive both of you, your million dollars and your $50. He says, which one do you think was more appreciative? Simon says, I believe the one with the thousand, the million dollars was forgiven. He says, yeah, yeah. Because to those whom forgiveness has been applied, they love more than those who think, I got it all together. Listen to the words of Jesus. She loves more because she knows that she's been forgiven. You are religious and thinking that through stewardship, you can inherit the kingdom of God. She came with brokenness and realized it was a redemptive relationship that she needed to restore her back to where she was. And she's at his feet. At his feet. At his feet. And he said this to her, and we, we launch you with this. Your faith has made you whole. He didn't just stop there. He didn't just stop there. He said, go shalom. Go shalom. He didn't just say that you are forgiven. He refers back now to the freedom when he walked into the synagogue and said, the Spirit of God is upon me. He's anointed me to release the prison. He says, I'm just going to deliver you. I'm going to give you freedom. And freedom is where you have peace. Peace, shalom. Nothing broken, nothing missing. It's the peace of God. And he says, in forgiveness is contained the peace of God that you're looking for. And so as she realized that he forgave her, she was able to forgive herself so she can now tell people, be free because I'm free. Good God Almighty. When you understand the shalom, someone say shalom. Come on, there's your Hebrew lesson for today. Come on, the shalom of God, the peace of God, nothing broken, nothing missing. It's back to that place in the garden again where God said, let's make man in our likeness, in our image. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Holy Spirit, thank you for the way you moved in this place. You have kept everybody's attention. Through every yawn, through every movement, you have not taken your, oath. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. You have not taken your eyes off of us. Through every shifting of the chair, through every movement of the hands, through every movement that was taking place, you have remained focused on the assignment, which is to let us know that we are free in the name of Jesus and forgiveness is available to us if we will own the room. So, Father, with every head bowed and every eyes closed. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. I declare their assignment this week is to walk in freedom and to declare the forgiveness of Jesus Christ to every creature on the planet. 
In the boardroom, everything changes. In the bedroom, everything changes. In the living room, everything changes. In your car, everything changes. Wherever you are in location, it has to change because of the forgiveness of God. There was a generation that was waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And that generation died. And another generation rose up and they were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. That generation died. But there's a generation coming for the Messiah. That generation died. And finally a generation witnessed the Messiah walking on earth with them. In the fullness of time, it says in Galatians. Jesus came and ministered freedom and forgiveness to a people that were hungry and desperate and waiting his arrival. It's time now for you to take this message to your generation. And if you are here, not just physically, but if you are here in your posture at his feet, I want to pray for you in our few moments we have together. Yes, Lord, thank you for restoring assignments. They thought they blew it. They thought it was over. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, press in, press in. Be at his feet. Incline your ear to hear the word of freedom. Freedom. Freedom and forgiveness. Freedom and forgiveness. Freedom and forgiveness. Now, if you receive that freedom and you know that you're forgiven, Go ahead and worship the Lord. He's a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. We are loved by you, Lord Jesus. If you want prayer and you want me to come in agreement with you, I want you to come. I want to pray with you. If you want to experience this freedom that's found in Christ, thank you, Jesus. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. Now may the blessing of the Lord God be upon you. May his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance again. And let his peace rest upon your hearts. I release you now. 
Go and bring this message of freedom and forgiveness. In the name of Jesus. Now clap your hands like you know you're free. Clap your hands like you know you're free. I'm free. Hallelujah. He's a good, good father. God bless you. Have a powerful week in this freedom. Woo, my God. Preach the gospel this week. I'm already, I'm so excited. Some of you all, you're going to preach the gospel. People are going to come and say, I want this freedom. Amen. That's that love what you've been praying for. Praise the name of the Lord. God bless you because I'll go on forever. Amen. Any announcements, Teresa? We're good. We're good. Amen. I believe Tuesday they're meeting and doing their thing. Um, the, lady, the men's, I think, meet on Tuesdays. And uh, so, ladies, so have a great week. Pray for this ministry. Pray for all the churches in Marion because God has a plan for this great city. Amen, somebody? God bless you all. Walk in the freedom and walk in his forgiveness. We'll see you next week, Sunday. Magon's preaching next Sunday, so you don't want to miss that. Amen, somebody? Magon's throwing down, so we praise God. Amen.